Hey, hey, folks, welcome back. Another great episode. Today, zooming in from the beautiful ski community of Whistler, British Columbia, we've got an accomplished real estate entrepreneur, C.L. Stevens, who has cut her teeth in the short-term rental business and now is moving up into multifamily properties. So, C.L., we're almost neighbors. I'm up here in Kamloops. You're down there in beautiful Whistler. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me here, Dave. I'm happy to be here. Likewise. So tell us a little bit about your real estate backstory. What got you into this weird and wonderful world? Yeah, well, back in 2000, I started investing. I um, actually became really sick with uh, an illness and I wasn't able to work. And I wondered what I was going to be able to do as a personal trainer. And, you know, you need to be nimble. And I was, you know, paralyzed. So I thought, what can I do to create an income that will sustain me into my old age and that will be eventually passive? So I started looking at real estate and um, that's, That's I bought my first place and I just started doing it over and over again. That's amazing because your whole world revolved around physicality and fitness and being active and movement and to have to take such a radical departure and just like come to a screeching stop and then rethink your entire life and then jump right into something else. A lot of people would have just kind of thrown up their hands and given up. I'm, I'm very impressed that you had such an epiphany. Was that what I would, I imagine there's a lot of, emotion and drama that went along with that, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, I was, um, I was a Pilates instructor and I was a personal trainer and I was a dance teacher and I was doing it all. And then when that stopped, I started having people contract out doing all of my work and my business for fitness actually grew because of this, which was outsourced. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was an incredible thing. And so then I had the time to start looking at other ways because I really, I realized I really like business Mm -hmm. and I really like having the freedom. Yeah. And I eventually got better. So thank God. Yeah. You look, you look like you're, you're, you're fit and and healthy again. So that's good. I'm glad that you got your health back. Okay. Well, walk us through the, the whole real estate thing because, you know, bought my first and then did one after another, after another, after another. As a self-employed person myself, I know that's not all that easy. You know, even even you starting back in 2000 when the banks were a little bit nicer to to self-employed folks, it still wasn't easy. So, how did you do that? And what kind of properties were you buying? I was buying condos and you know, it's funny, it seems to me like it was easy because I was walking around with a checkbook in my pocket all the time, ready to just, you know, write write a a deposit if I had to, I was just like kind of crazy about buying real estate. And so it wasn't so hard back then. Uh, It's gotten a lot more difficult, Hmm. but um, yeah, I bought and sold in Vancouver. Were were these pre-construction condos or existing condos? I bought uh, one pre-construction and then the rest were pre-existing. Okay. All right. And what did you kind of build up your condo portfolio to? And do you still have them or have you kind of moved I've to got, a different asset class. I've got the pre the pre-construction one that I bought. I still have that. Mm-hmm. And I sold um a bunch of the condos. I had about uh three or four at one mm-hmm. time in Vancouver that I bought within a really short amount of time. And then I sold 
And he started buying up in Whistler, which was mm. you know, a good idea back in 2011. Yeah. In 2010, I bought in the States, which was also a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. after everything kind of went plop and, and you're getting in there at the bottom of the market. Very, very good. So for our American listeners, Whistler would be kind of the equivalent of Vail or something like that in the States. It's it's probably um, the most prestigious ski community in Canada. If no, yeah, I'd say it's, it's oh, right yeah. up there. <laughs> Definitely. 100%, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what about now? It, it sounds like you got into the whole short-term rental type thing. So what does, what does your real estate portfolio look like these days? Ciel? Well, I've got, um, uh, quite a few short-term rentals. I've got a small um, complex in uh, Phoenix, downtown Phoenix, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, a really growing area. So great there. I've got um, a longer term during COVID. I had, um, I had a lot of short-term and then, you know, people are so, uh, you know, the word pivot yeah. it feels like it's overused, but yeah. I had to pivot and uh, I ended up renting out one of my short-term rentals. It was more of a luxury um, property. And I rented that out on a longer-term basis. And I've mm. still got a tenant there and he's happy and I'm happy. So I've got a bit of a mix right now. Interesting. Very cool. So are these short-term rentals, are they in resort-type communities like Whistler? Or are they kind of... Yeah, I've got a short-term rental in Whistler. Mm -hmm. I've also in downtown Phoenix, they're all short-term rentals and okay. they do really well because of the area being near the chase field or chase stadium where they do basketball and concerts and the hospitals. So it's not luxury. Those ones aren't luxury. They're just, you know, like little apartments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the one that you've converted into a long-term rental, was that in a resort community or is that more in it like was. a... Yeah, yeah, it was a resort community in a place called Fountain Hills. Okay. So um, they actually had, it was all part of a really big resort. And then uh, the resort got in an argument with the HOA and there was a lawsuit and they took away our pool. And so right. <laughs> and the access to the really amazing amenities. So it was a not, good- not as, not as sexy as a short-term rental anymore then after that. Yeah, no. So it was a good thing that I was kind of forced to make that change through COVID anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, I've been working with a a client recently in Canada and based in Alberta, and and he's really focusing a lot these days on luxury, um, built for short term rental type properties in places like Whistler and, and Banff and and Jasper and and these resort type communities. But these, you know, they're very very nice properties. You know, it's like. Eight hundred to nine hundred thousand dollars purchase price as a brand new build kind of things, but they are just completely designed for short term rentals, luxury short term rentals, and yeah, it 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 can be a real, uh, an amazing cash flow kind of a play there for sure. That's interesting. In Banff, Whistler, I mean Whistler, a, a thousand square foot condo is like two point two million, and it doesn't have any bells or whistles. Yeah, sorry, it wasn't Banff; it's Canmore, but close enough. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so now you're starting to uh, pivot, or maybe we could say because you've got a dance background, pirouette. I don't know. Ah, pirouette, <laughs> nicely. <done. laughs> 
to, to something different. So what are you focusing on these days, Sia? Yeah, so um, I really have enjoyed the short term, which has been great, and yeah. the little complex that I have. And so, know, so talk to me, sorry, before we go on, what do this little complex that you have, what does that mean? How many units do you have in that property? It's five. So nice. it's, a, it's a five unit apartment building or whatever you want to call it. It's five, five plex. Are there, are yes. these one bedrooms, two bedrooms, studios? Two bedroom mix of one bedroom and two bedrooms. Cool. And um, yeah, you were talking about, you know, having the, you know, way back when, how it was maybe not as hard as it is today to get loans and mortgages and all the rest of it. Well, the reason that I'm moving into what I'm doing is because I paid cash for that property down in the States because I wasn't able to get mortgaged on wow. it. And so enough of that, right? Yeah. So now, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, after, after paying cash, were you able to like refinance it after a while? And no, no, no. Us, oh, it's so difficult. So now um, I'm going into partnering with people. I'm doing joint yeah. ventures. Yeah. Yeah. To buy what? To buy uh, large apartment buildings, like a hundred units plus. Okay, so that probably won't be a joint venture. That'll be more like a syndication than I would right. imagine. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So, um, challenges with getting financing for the short-term rentals, the smaller type properties. You're looking at commercial, residential. That's easier to get financing for if the numbers make sense, because again. The banks are looking at the property a heck of a lot more than the buyer or the buyers in this case. Um, cool. So, so what are you doing to that? That's a completely different asset class, completely different kettle of fish. What is your, what are your plans moving ahead with that? Well, uh, my plans or my goals is I'm planning on, um, well, I've got, I'm looking for uh, capital. So I'll be, you know, working raising on that, capital. Yeah. raising capital. And uh, my goal is by the end of, well, within a year from now to have uh, two properties at least under my belt, a mm -hmm. larger scale. Goal is a hundred plus, but if I, you know, start off with like 50 plus, that'll still be okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. 50, yeah. 50 units ain't bad either. Yeah. Cool. So CL, uh, a lot of people when they're getting into the larger multifamily type space, they're they're looking at getting involved with a group and you know being a co-GP or or something like that. Uh, have you are you are you looking at that? Are you looking at partnering with other people who are already in the space and joining forces, or what are your thoughts? Yes, I will be. I'll be joining forces with others, um, working on building a team so that, uh, you know, if I think the areas that I'm going to be focusing on are probably the, I'm going to be doing it in the States, mm -hmm. Phoenix, because I know Phoenix and I like Phoenix um, and probably uh, North Carolina. And um, I don't know anything about North Carolina. I sometimes even get mixed up. Is it North Carolina? Is it South Carolina? I haven't done my research on that yet. And They're uh, close together. Yeah. <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So I'll have people in those areas. That'll yeah, be that makes sense. Well, hey, you know what? You've got a good, solid background in real estate investing. You've been doing this since 2000. You've got experience uh, working with tenants and toilets and, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it it is a kind of a natural progression for a lot of people to work up into the 
into the multifamily space. So yeah, so the goal of, of getting involved with a deal or two over the next year, that makes sense. What? So typically what I've seen when I've, I've been interviewing, I've been involved in some, some multifamily deals myself as well. And when I've interviewed other syndicators, <clears throat> typically within that GP group, there are assigned responsibilities. There are assigned specialities, if you will. What do you see your strengths being? What do you see? What if you could wave the the magic wand? What would you like to be doing within that group? I think um, maybe underwriting mm-hmm. and uh, raising capital. And I know yeah. that's the that's the kind of that's the I was going to say that's the money. Obviously, that's the money. But it's one of those skills that is in high demand. So, uh, and I think that will be my my specialty. Nice. Yeah. Well, I would imagine over the years you become very, very well connected, especially if you're living in a place like Whistler. Folks that live in Whistler tend to be of a higher socioeconomic stature than folks living elsewhere, so to speak. Um, so you probably got some pretty good connections with people with money already. Have you looked into what's involved with, um, or, or are you planning to raise your capital in the States? or raise your capital in Canada. If you're raising it in Canada, how are you going to get it into these American deals? I'm mostly going to be doing it in the States because I've actually spent a lot of time in the States and I travel a lot. Um, I know most of my friends are in the States or the people that I know, the connections. And that's where I've done most of my investing. You know, I do have, I do have property and in parts of BC, but really my focus and my, my energy has been in the States. Oh, very cool. All right. So you've already been going down there for quite a while. You've got a pretty good network already down there. Excellent. So what are, what are your your plans for uh, raising capital? How are you going to approach that? Um, how do you mean, how am I going to approach that? Well, for these larger multifamily deals, you're probably going to have to be raising millions of dollars, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to be bringing on probably quite a number of limited partners who will be the passive investors in these deals. What are your plans for finding these partners, approaching these partners, presenting to these partners? Uh, what what are you planning to do there to raise the capital? Networking, mm-hmm. doing interviews like this. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm just in the process of doing a rebrand. So my website, blog posts, social media, which I am not great at, but you know, sometimes you just have to do it. Um, and then, you know, my existing connections, everybody knows somebody and there's a lot of people who obviously are interested in real estate, but they don't want to deal with all of the day to day. And there's a lot of money sitting around. So I'll just leverage. Oh, there, there definitely is. Yeah. And I think you're at the advantage because, um, you've, you've already got a pretty good network locally. And like you say, between the people that you know and the people they know, chances are you can you can do a good job there. I was it's interesting. I was just interviewing somebody the day before yesterday. It was really interesting, CL, because exact same situation. This gentleman has just made the the switch from single family homes into multifamily. He's doing exact same thing, and he just he's just come through his first capital raise. So we were talking about that experience. And he said, uh, it, it wasn't as easy as he thought it was going to, right. going to be. So the big lesson that he got out of that was 
a um, couple of big lessons, but one of them was not just for it to be all on him to raise all of the capital for the deal. So the first deal he got on the go, he didn't even come close to the total amount required for that deal. In fact, I think it was, they needed to raise 1.5 million and he was able to raise about 300,000 of that. Um, somebody else brought in the the other 1.2. So his percentage of the deal shrunk accordingly, which is okay, right? Yeah. What I was telling him was, no problem. Don't worry about the first deal so much, how much equity you got, how much money you're going to make with that first deal. Get that first deal under your belt, even if you've just got a tiny little ownership part of that property, because then you've got proof of concept. Then you can point to your future investors and all of the people who didn't take you up on it the first time around and say, hey, we got this one on the go. Here's how it's working, you know, that sort of thing. So that's where the whole social media thing can come in because um, especially if you're already, if the deal happens to be in, in Phoenix and you've already got a good kind of home base there in Phoenix. Well, if you can go to the property, if you can put on the hard hat and hang out with the, with the people that are doing renos or whatever's going to happen to that property and the management side and just kind of not soliciting or anything, but just kind of documenting the process, documenting the fact that you're in there doing stuff, then that'll, that'll go a long way for the next raise. Does that make sense? So, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And that's so true about, you know, what a great learning process too, for that person, right? So they didn't yeah. get their whole 1.5, but all of the things that they learned during that. Yeah. So I guess what I'm, I'm suggesting for you and, and it very well might be, it's going to be a completely different situation. You've got different connections, all, all that good stuff. But if for you, for the first deal, you're not like, not everybody's looking at CL as the only source of capital for that deal. If you're one of a couple of people raising capital for it, it'll be a heck of a lot less pressure for you. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, I am working with a team, so I can, I'll try not to lean too hard on them for the capital, but I know that there is capital. We've got a sponsor. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. And then what, I okay. So do you have any deals kind of in the works already or is it just kind of in the planning yeah. stages? In the planning stages. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just thinking if I were in your shoes, what would I do now so that I'm not waiting until we got it? Cause here's, here's my philosophy, CL. The worst time to try to raise the capital is when you desperately need it. Right. And that's what this guy found, right? He had the deal on the go. It's like, Oh crap. Now I got to raise 1.5 million and yeah. you know, the, the, Talk about stress. So if I were you, what I would start doing now is really, really tapping into that existing network of people that you already have. And not so much picking up the phone and dialing for dollars or anything like that, but more of a, a casual type thing and starting to communicate with them, letting them know what you're up to, what you're doing, why you're moving into the multifamily space, getting those conversations going. And then start getting some meetings booked and getting people signed on in the in in the way that they perhaps they're signing off on an expression of interest or a letter of intent. It's not legally binding or anything like that. But if you've got five or ten people lined up ahead of time who've each said, Hey, CL, when you've got a deal, if it makes sense, 
I'm willing to invest a hundred grand or 200 grand or 150 grand or whatever that is, then that's going to give you a lot more confidence going into those deals. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And that's really great advice. I have made a couple calls and interestingly, um, and you know, it's amazing where you meet people. Like I was at a conference that had nothing to do with real estate, um, last summer. And I was at this hotel in Louisville and I was having a coffee outside and there's this really sophisticated older gentleman who walked up and sat down and I started chatting with him, asking him if he was here for the conference. And he said, no, I live here. And he had this really great accent. He was from the Netherlands. Oh, nice. We became buddies. And uh, so I actually was in contact with him a couple of weeks ago, just letting him know, you know, this is what I'm doing. And so I've got a soft commit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is one of the reasons, besides the fact that I want to venture into this for myself and to have a new challenge and to see things grow, is that I have so many kick butt cool girlfriends who are at the top of their game in what they do for work, mm-hmm. like really like amazing. Yeah. But what they don't have is they always look at me and they say to me, you have got it figured out. You have got time freedom and you travel. And, and sometimes I, I laugh to myself and I think, really, they're looking at me like I've got it all together. But what they don't have is they don't have that passive income. Yeah. Nor do they have the time or the inclination to figure it out. So those, yeah, yeah that, you know, you remind me of another client of mine, CL. Um, <laughs> interesting story. She and her husband, also Canadians who now live in the States, investing in the States, doing multifamily, really interesting. But she uh, really rocked it with, of all things, Montessori schools, Montessori schools in Canada and created a, uh, an amazing business ended up, I can't remember if she franchised it or, or what, or, or what happened there, but created quite a big business. And they got really connected in the Montessori school owner world, right? She became kind of a little mini celebrity in there. And then she sold off her Montessori Montessori schools. Oh yeah. A big part of that was she bought all the properties that went along with the schools. So that's, yeah, that was, that was a smart move. But anyhow, she switched over into doing exactly what you want to do, which is syndicating deals. But instead of doing what everybody else does, which is to try to find investors at these real estate conferences and stuff where everybody's going after the investors. There's so much competition there. She's educating these business owners about the benefits of passive investing with her, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, in her multifamily deals. And she's literally raised millions and millions and millions of dollars from tapping into that group. So you can do the exact same thing with all of these you know, women entre- entrepreneur friends that you have that are rocking in their world, but don't have time or the inclination to do all the work that you've done over the last 20 years to become an expert in real estate. They would, you've already got, they already know you, they already like you, they already trust you as a, as a sharp person. Now it's just a matter of educating them about the big benefits of real estate, right? Without them having to do it themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, you're poised for success, CL. That's great. Uh, time flies when we're having fun. If people want to connect with you, find out more about you, what should they do? They can find me. Um, my my email is info at pinkskyenterprises.com. 
mm-hmm. or uh, my website, pinkskyenterprises.com. I like that one. That's memorable. Very yeah. good. Well, CL, right. this has been, that's a memorable website. I like that your URL name. That's great. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.